and welcome to Manic Mixtape. Uh, we are back after a month-long hiatus, and you're happy to see us. Yes. yes. <laughs> that's, There's that's no question. That's not a rock in your pocket. You're happy to see us. <laughs> <sighs> I am Foxy Foxy, and that is Dan Calachica. And we are going to be talking quite a bit of music things that happened over the month, because again, we were gone for an entire month for good reason, for very good reason. Now, all right, one quick little tiddly bit that I wanted to pop on that I was talking to my husband about about 10 minutes before the uh, episode was set to go on. So there's a little bit of confusion going on in the music slash concert world. Villa Vallo, lead singer of Finnish band Him, has put out a thing that he is going to be going on tour in 2023. Tour dates have started to drop. Cool, right? We don't know. No one is entirely sure exactly what they're going to be getting because right now this is listed as Villa Vallo. There is a new logo for him, very similar to him's heartogram, but more with a V and a V. Um, Now, this is where the confusing part comes in because at the present moment, he has approximately three singles out as Villa Vallo. One of which was a real single. The second was a B-side, both released two years ago. And then a new single as his latest release, but there is really no talks of an album that I've searched for. So the question is right now, as Villa Vallo is putting out these tour dates, is he putting out a solo album and doing an entire solo tour? Or is this him doing him songs that sounds weird but <laughs> is he going to be performing him songs as villa Vallo? So i saw the poster yesterday mm-hmm. and i was like oh okay so he's playing the tla in in philly where him where <laughs> where him always played mm-hmm. you know Vil, can you can you pick a different you know band name <laughs> um the way I took it and the way I interpreted it, because there was a, I had a him phase. Thanks mm-hmm. to Bam, Same. I had a him phase. Um, have, well, yeah, I've we've talked about this before. Yeah, yeah, we've, we've, yeah, we've <laughs> talked about this before. Um, yes. And on the, I can't remember where on the poster, but I think it's underneath the tour dates. Because yeah, it's got a picture of Villy. Mm-hmm. Vil, how do you say his first name? Villa. Villa. Billy, Billy, don't you? Um, it's got his picture. He's got the hat, and it's got the heart of Graham with the V in it. You know, added mm-hmm. to it, which I thought was cool. I was fixated yeah. on that. I'm like, well, that's kind of cool. He keeps the uh, identification, but you got the V in there, and it kind of separates it from the band. And on the bottom, it's got a him logo on the bottom, like on the very bottom of the poster. It's not really tiny, but it's right at the bottom of the vo- uh, of the uh, poster. So I interpreted it as his entire career, mm-hmm. whatever he's doing now, plus him as a band. I assumed, and this might be a terrible assumption, that him was always just his It kind of like Ghost, where there's a main driving. Yeah, yeah. there's a main driving force in a band around him. Daniel Lyon, mm-hmm. I know, was one of them. Uh, I remember his name. But I don't unfortunately remember the rest of the guys in the band. So I'm assuming it's just kind of that it's just he's just doing a solo thing and not tying it to the band him. He's kind of just trying to tie it around him. 
um, himself. That's confusing. Him Jesus, himself. he did this. He did this on purpose. What a great marketing idea. So yeah, I don't. I, I don't. I don't know what's going on. Um, I. I might. Yeah. Uh, I might look into but, going yeah, to this. So I will see. Thing. Again, I, I primarily found it interesting because when he toured as him, the band, just before the pandemic, it was listed as the final farewell, we are done tour. Because a lot of people were trying to... Again, this is, that's where the confusion lies. Like, is, is the band's dead, but the discography still yours to... You know, obviously, it's still yours if you wrote, but like, you know what I'm saying. Y'all get it. You're trying sleeping. To see what, trying to see what um, is listed on the website. Like, are they active or they don't even have the damn last tour listed? Wow. Yeah. So I have no. I, <laughs> so I'm at a loss here. It is a mystery. <laughs> it is a mystery. Well, I guess one of us will have to go to see what's going on. Not me. Right, well, maybe I'll go. Damon and I both agreed after the last time we saw him perform, we, we would never again. Because we, we were discussing this actually before, like I said, uh, in our worst, in our, in our concerts episode, we saw him and it was really, really bad. Now, usually I'll give bands a second chance or even a third, maybe, depending on how much I love them. But this performance was just wasn't even a it wasn't even like oh they had an off day no he was just clearly intoxicated on something it and when you i feel when you have a concert like that there's it's just irredeemable in a sense like i don't want to see you again because you're working let's be a little professional or hide your shit just a little bit better we paid for this man so it is it is listed as a solo tour So maybe we'll get a solo album then before his tour in 2023. I wonder what his pronoun is. <laughs> Thank you. Be here all week. Nice. Oh, yeah. He, he announced a solo album. There you go. Really? It was Neon not Noir. popping up in anything I looked at. He released. Yeah, it's called uh, Neon Noir. Mm -hmm. And uh yeah, that's it. Love Letting is apparently uh, taken from the new album Neon Noir. Scheduled for release early next year. So I'm assuming it's not finished. <laughs> I okay. I really is, let, let me just let me just say this watch before you go. There isn't footage of him where I've seen him sober. Um and, and you know how sympathetic I am towards addiction and drinking problems. Yes. And we'll get into that discussion a little later, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not going to harp on it past that. But whether with Bam or in a show, and I saw him early 2003 or four mm -hmm. in uh, or, or late 2003, early 2004 or 02, I can't remember. It all mixes up in my head now because I, I was sober, though. Um, I saw him at the TLA. 
And the dude was drinking on st- like he had a beer bottle in the middle of song. Well, yeah, yeah. But that's a, but but that's okay. Like I every band I've seen drinks yeah. during the show, but there's not footage mm-hmm. I've seen of him sober. So I'm pretty sure he's drinking all the time. I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know. What were you gonna say? I'm sorry. Uh, I I, I was gonna say the uh. This is another thing I hate when it comes to bands with concerts and shit is how he announced his tour now. Okay. People are going to be clamoring for tickets and buying tickets now before they've even heard anything he's put out, which is fine. But, you know, if the album sucks, you go to that concert, it's going to be him playing that album that sucks. So it's like, it's a marketing ploy, but it's a really shitty one because that's fucking. I hate when bands do that. It's really deceiving in a sense. Like, I don't like that. I don't like that. I I agree with you because I am completely spoiled with people in my band going solo because they wouldn't. I think when Phil, I I think when Phil went solo, he played like original. I'm talking about the '80s when Face Value and, and that first tour came out. He played one Genesis song, and technically, it was the j- cover of the cover that he did for his first album of the Genesis song. So he didn't play the Genesis version; he played his version. There was no group material on that; only stuff from outside of the band Genesis. And there was a couple of Motown covers, but the dude had so many singles anyway, it was easy for him. Um, same thing uh, mm-hmm. with Mike doing Mikey Mechanics. I don't think they played any Genesis stuff on those first tours. Um, it happened. To, it so happened that they had Paul Carrick from Tempted. I mean, uh, from Squeeze in the band. Mm-hmm. So they played Tempted. That was the cover they played during the first tours. It's cheating, I think. <laughs> but like... It wasn't so later, like Phil in the last two tours he did, he played Genesis songs, but it was like two and it's ones that he wrote specifically. Right. Yeah. Mike did stuff that he wrote specifically. Tony, I don't think ever played live show solo because nobody bought his albums, which is a shame. That's a whole nother podcast. Um, Yeah. So this is I'm looking at this. I I'm have to assume my novice. Uh, information on Villa Vallo that it's going to be him's greatest hits and three solo songs because <laughs> if he plays the whole goddamn thing mm-hmm. it's weird because I saw Billy Corgan in 05 his first solo album he's had two um, and Billy to his credit didn't play one single so this is 05 not one goddamn pumpkin song. Not one. Mm-hmm. He played a bunch of covers and basically his solo album rearranged, which for a, a fanatic was great because I listened to the album. Uh, I, I listened to that. That thing was in rotation. I really enjoyed his solo album. So I was like, well, I know these. It's not going to be a problem for me. But anybody who was there thinking we, you saw half the crowd was like, oh, <laughs> He literally played like he was doing a guitar solo just to riff between songs. And he played the opening uh, today. And then went into something else. And I was like, oh, you suck. That's what's up. 
that's all. But awesome. I will. The PSS story is there's a great industrial rock cover of ACDC's It's a Long Way to the Top if you want to rock and roll that's been never released. And I've been looking footage for that from that show forever and I can't find it. It was really good. I was like, I really like this. But Rob Zombie's philosophy is that, you know, I, we talked about how he's going on tour with the. I, you told me, and I still drew a blank. We'll uh, talk about that. Power Man, Power Man 5000, which is his little brother's band. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, Mudvayne. There's another band in there. I want to say Edema. I really want to say Edema, but I think I'm wrong. Yeah, I'm going to look it up I'm, while I'm telling this. Because everybody is like, it's a new metal flashback. So, But his thing is, is and this is Rob now. Nobody mm-hmm. wants to come to the show to hear the new shit. Mm-hmm. And I, I've i never had that problem, but I know the majority of people don't want to hear the new stuff. See, I don't have problems with that when the tour is, you know, a, like well after you've gotten yourself acquainted to the album. You know what I'm saying? Static X. Oh, yeah. Never mind. I don't want <laughs> yeah, to. Yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> I love, loved Static X. Loved them. Saw them once. Wanted to see them again. But not without Wayne. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, I, I can't. I can't. Yeah, I don't care. I can't do it without Wayne Static as the lead. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, in no, in all respect to Power Man 5000. Uh, in no world am I paying money to see one song and then leave. Uh, you ready to go? <laughs> That's it. And I'm like, all right, you guys fun can go fact. now. Fun fact. Okay. Uh, my my oldest son, he's actually, he's become a Power Man 5000 fan, which is really cool because they actually do have a lot of good shit. Because I, I listen to them as well. Power Man, Power Man 5000. If it wasn't for this tour, Okay, that's coming up with Rob Zombie. Basically, essentially bringing the name back out there. Yeah. I could have seen them and taken my son to see them pre-pandemic here at a bar in Clifton, New Jersey that hosts bands for $15. What? Yes. There's a bar slash little concert hall over here called Dingbats. And they primarily host... sold already. There's local bands that play. There's a lot of uh, cover, popular cover bands. Like they had um, Ghoul play once, which is a ghost. I know who uh, Ghoul is, yeah. But they also host like smaller known bands. Like they just had Wednesday 13 over here. Uh, They've had Tantric over here. And uh, the latest one, like I said, was a Power Man 5000 show. I'm like, (laughs) if it wasn't for Big Brother, I don't think anyone would really remember. Their stock just rose a little bit for another year or two. Hey, well, you know, get that money and get the hell home. Fucking hey. Yeah. <laughs> uh, super quick. Speaking about concerts, the reason why we were on hiatus was because the show prior to this we could not do because I was back in the real world again for the second time uh, at a ministry concert. Now, uh, this is the fourth time they've rescheduled because they were supposed to play their pre-pandemic and that's what I was supposed to see them with uh, KMFDM so they've gone through three other 
okay, we're going to do it this day. Oh, no, we still can't. And, oh, we're going to do it this day. Oh, no, we still can't. So this time they came around and they finally got a chance to do it. Uh, opening for them was a Southern band, Corrosion of Conformity, for any 90s <laughs> fans out there. As well My as God, the- that's a name I've yes. not heard in a long time. I know. Uh, as well as the Melvins opening for them. That is a name I have not heard in a long time. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, and as, you know, as Dan realized, so when he went to go tag the bands in the tweet, yes, the, the ministry had two different sounds. They were 80s new wave and then slowly transitioned into 90s hard industrial. And let, let, let me just say, for comparison, if anybody wants to go to a show to have that same bass booming hard feel like a Rammstein concert would, go to Ministry. Sure. Their albums do them musically no justice. No justice. Right. They were so fucking good. I was deaf till the Monday after. Huh? Oh, it was great. I couldn't hear. I couldn't. I yeah, had. I couldn't hear. I'm like, this is awesome. I was so, looking at uh, gifts to put together the promotion for the, you know, the the post for the. And I'm looking. I'm going. Wait, is that the same? Oh, it is. I don't know is. why I didn't put. I don't know stupidly why I didn't put two and two together. I thought that I was like, oh, okay. Because the sounds are so different. So I had no idea it was like you know. There's been. A hundred times down the line, a band will break up and then, you know, 10 years down the road, another band will pop up completely separate from that band and call it the same thing. That's Oh, yeah. You know, when Genesis first formed, there was a Genesis in the States that had like a minor top 50, top 40. And that did nothing. So it was like, well, all right, well, that's ours now. (laughs) Ghost, Ghost BC. Yeah, that's right. Ghost, Ghost BC. Same deal. Mm -hmm. Yep. So nice. trying to find any merch for Ghost back then when they were still under BC. Jesus Christ. That was so difficult. Like, it's oh, not a problem now. It. Or like when Damien was looking for their videos, I'm like, no, you got to add a BC. Yeah, Ghost BC. Yeah. Trust me. Not a problem now. Nope, not a problem now. <laughs> Which not we'll talk about later. Well, no, we could get into that actually right now. Ghost's new album, Imperia, has dropped. And I've only heard it once thus far. I don't have a whole lot of time to sit there and listen to the whole album. But from what I heard, I don't care how many kids you have. Listen to it. I can only get like maybe three or four songs in at a time. But from but the first just that first listen. Amazing. I, I absolutely love it. Just from hearing what they played in their teaser on their teaser stream was fan fucking tastic. My only complaint is they, they really need to get a better female vocalist when they do Call Me Little Sunshine because the, the, the one that was singing with them was horrible. She just overshadowed everything. Sorry. I think they did it on purpose. Yeah. I noticed listening to the album that the uh, on the vinyl version, mm-hmm. which I have right here. We lovely. both have. Yes, lovely. <laughs> I, as soon as they announced it was coming, I went to Revolver, got the smoke red version. It's beautiful. Um, oh, this is beautiful. This is why you get. This is why to, to get albums. So look at look at that. Look at that. Mm-hmm. Look at that artwork. You can see everything. There's a separate booklet in here. Mm-hmm. Oh, 
God. Beautiful. So I'm going to collect all the Ghost albums like that because I had like, that's a band I was only digital with. Mm-hmm. But I, after that, I was like, oh, <laughs> they put time into their artwork. Let's uh, get to that. Um, no, I noticed on the vinyl that the, for some reason, the um, background vocals are a little more prominent in the vinyl version than it is on the digital version. Uh, you can clearly hear her on Call Me a Little Sunshine. That I only noticed it on this. I'll put it to you this way. I only noticed it on the CD version or the digital version after listening to the vinyl, seeing that live performance from the ministry, different ministry, mm-hmm. and um, and then listening to it in the car digitally. I thought, oh, yeah, that is there. Um, so that was my def- that's in my defense of her. I'm like, I think that was on purpose. Okay. Um, that's just my assumption. I didn't say you were wrong. I was just making an assumption. <laughs> um, this album better be record of the year somewhere. I say that without reservation and without sarcasm. I know my friend Dustin will watch this and go, uh, as he called them Nickelback with makeup. And I said, I don't know why that's a problem. Well, yeah, that's true. I mean, look at look at all the shit Nickelback did. People sleep I mean, on them, but. You sleep on them, but they're they sleep. You'll sleep on them, but they'll sleep in their beds made of money. Oh. Um, I don't. There's not a bad song on this album. Mm-hmm. Not one. Uh, the highlight for me, <laughs> and it's so funny because there are ghost purists out there or metal purists that slam this band for not being oh, hard yeah. enough. Oh, yeah. Um, and I always point out Ozzy and they go, what? That's Ozzy. I'm like, uh-huh. OK, shut up. Um, this is hard and soft, but not very soft. Yes, I mean, yes, yes, Foxy, you can laugh. I said that on purpose for you to giggle like a girl. Um, <laughs> you made me laugh. Uh, there is a it's weird because as soon as I say this song is the highlight, I'll say the others. Then the other song that's stuck in my head. The 20s. Oh, my God. Mm hmm. And you have to listen to it with Dominion in front of it, which is like a, um, a little brass intro that goes right into the orchestra that kicks mm-hmm. off 20s. Is God is, is heavy as hell and one of the most different songs I've heard them do as a band. Well, or I'm going to say band. We all know. Get it. Yeah. The other highlight for me is Darkness at the Heart of My Love. I love that goddamn song. And it is totally like if an 80s power ballad from a metal band got rewritten in 2022, mm-hmm. which is literally what Tobias is. He's a he grew up listening to all of that and Abba because he's Swedish <laughs> and love Abba. Uh, yeah, well, listen, I'm not an Abba fan, but I I don't turn their stuff off. Let's just say it like that. I don't own one song. But mm-hmm. it's one of those bands where you're like, God, I know every single goddamn song on this greatest hits, every <laughs> yeah. single one of them. Um, and you know, you, you say you say they're corny, but again, beds made of money. Shut up. Um, it's hard for you to pick these because this is a fantastic album. I love it. This is this is one band in a long time, in my opinion, that I feel have gotten better every outing. Mm-hmm. They've evolved. They might not be as heavy as you'd like them. They may not be as heavy as they were in the first album, but they're better. Um, 
but darkness at the heart of my love and respite on the spital fields, which is a play on words I love immensely. The album's about the rising and falling of vampires, which I don't know if you've seen re- the world recently. Very timely. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just like ghost albums in the past, uh, specifically. Meloria. Uh, why am I blanking on it? I know how to say it. I'm just blanking on the. Well, what's the one that came out before Prequel? Mel- Meloria. 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 Meliora. 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 That has a melody that's replayed in Prequel. I'm pronouncing it like Tobias told us. Mm-hmm. So forgive me, folks. It's prequel. It's Prequel. Um, and it's reprised twice in that album. This is literally bookended by the same guitar part in a good way. It's a perfect book. I love this album. I just listened to it again today. I give it a 10 out of 10. Uh, I don't have a real letter grade. I'm not Dave Meltzer. <laughs> uh, Foxy will understand that one. Got it. I just love this. I'm, I adore the album. Yeah. I, please listen to it. Mm-hmm. Well, not, I mean, I, I, people who are listening. I no, I mean, I, I'm not going to. I have had freaking <laughs> Call Me Little Sunshine on, on repeat. Put it this way. When my 2022 Spotify wrap up comes, it's going to be like all over the place with them in that song because. I've been down a ghost binge past two months. Call me little sunshine. I've been playing constant. So I'm really surprised. And well, I mean, that song has served a lot of other inspiration to me. I, I have, um, that song and, um, the one in the darkness at the heart of my love. Don't know. I can't tell you why. I think it's a beautiful song. Mm-hmm. It's a simple song, but it's beautiful. I just give it a chance for those out there who wouldn't listen to them. Give it a chance. It's a great album. I, I highly, highly enjoy it. I likes. I likes a lot. Uh, side side by side with that, um, in a little bit more music news, Florence and the Machines have also announced a tour date. For the coming season again, uh, st- some stadiums, some indoor facilities, because their new album drops on May thirteenth, which also is very thematic to go alongside how Ghost is very thematic with their stuff. Uh, it she's def. What is it? This, this time around, Florence is definitely embracing because that really doesn't serve. Florence and Injustice, but she's basically taken on the mantle as being, you know, the the, the new witch of the alts rock worlds, like Stevie Nicks once was. All the music videos they have pushed out since have been very, uh, you know, Wicca, witchcraft oriented, and I am so here for it. Again, their album drops May 13th. It's called Dance Fever because, you know, they're very tongue in cheek like that. I get it. (laughs) <laughs> okay. Uh, for those of you who are unaware, uh, the, the the new generation of kids out there, the 
Gen whatever. I don't know what they're called. There's so many different alphabets. Um, Gen Z or X or B or I, no, w, X, X is y, like Z. before. I'm talking like okay, the kids that are young now uh, have labeled very specific bands as dad rock. Now those bands consist of things that are uh, post grunge, post new metal, around 2005 ish. It's like, you know, Nickelbacks, uh, Seether, Breaking Benjamin, Three Days Grace, etc. Um, there's a subgenre to that, according to these kids, um, called Divorced Dad Rock, which consists of bands like Saliva and Stained and, and Puddle of Mud. Um, I'm that again. I'm, divorced Dad Rock. I don't know. Th- these, see, these bands were. Prior to the bands I just mentioned with Dad Rock, so I, mean, I I guess that's why they're divorced. But yes, these are the uh, divorced Dad uh, bands, and like I said, for some reason, it's totally feasible in my head that I can just see some kids divorced Dad and like a muscle tee and his old, you know, starting to wear out in color of like you know the, the barbed wire tattoo that everybody had and they're driving like a Dodge Ram like listening to like click click boom like super loud like I <laughs> I hate I thought, I thought Phil <laughs> Collins was divorced dad rock literally no huh learn something new no. hmm. so yeah and it's funny because these all the bands that are in quote unquote dad rock slash divorce dad rock are bands and songs I've mentioned numerous show that I call the the you know the 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 sex years of rock between 2005 and 2007 or 8 where every single song was like hard rock about sex or was like a cover of a hip hop song that was all about sex like that's that's the genre I still listen to all those songs I don't know if that makes me a divorced dad but yeah, seems very specific to call it divorced dad. That only divorced dads would listen to this. I know, huh? Which Turns I know for a fact that's not looking for hot chicks, listening to Puddle yeah. of Muzz, Control. Woo-hoo. Hey, how how old are you? Twenty eight. I'm forty eight. You want to go for a ride now? God. Mm-hmm. That's what it seems like to me. Yeah. Divorce Dad Rock. Yeah, I was looking on Spotify. There's a bunch of playlists for the for these, and I wouldn't I wouldn't okay. say any of those are divorced dad rock. Yeah. That doesn't make stain stain doesn't make sense to me. I mean that just seems like miserable never that's mind. just that's just I'm in a bad state of mind rock. At least now he just plays now he just one. plays crappy country rock. <laughs> Yeah. No comment. None whatsoever. <laughs> no, I don't. Right. Divorced dad rock. A divorced dad rock to me is soft rock crying about your ex-wife. I know because I idolize somebody that made a living out of it. Well, then maybe it maybe it should be more appropriate. Uh, like a uh, uh, midlife crisis divorced dad rock. That would be more appropriate. Yeah. All right. You're not wallowing. <laughs> I'm a single man. Let me go get chicks type of thing. Yeah, I was going to say, divorced dad, like rock, <laughs> di- divorced dad Rock should be like ACDC, right? 
Yeah, essentially. Bon, bon Jovi. That's New Things Jersey like that. before Dad Rock. Rock, yeah. <laughs> that's a separate genre. That's a sub sub genre. Oh yeah, that's a, that's like one of those deep rabbit hole sub genres. We got a hole. <laughs> we got a hole. <laughs> I love you so much. Thank you. <laughs> uh, on, that was, on, be, that uh, was less deprecating than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> uh, so yesterday, April 8th, was a, a musical holiday for those that follow uh, you know, music or movies about music or are old like us and were you know, alive in the 90s. Uh, yesterday was Rex Manning Day, made ever so popular by the 1995 film Empire Records, starring Liv Tyler, Renee Zellweger, and a bunch of other people. So, happy Rex, happy belated Rex Manning Day to all. What's that face for? Nothing. Okay, hold on, hold on. Celebrate hold on. your day. Wait a Celebrate second. Celebrate your day. Celebrate your day. Hold on. You what? don't know. You've never I, know, I have not seen this movie in 20 years. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I used to. I had a thing for Liv Tyler until I realized that Steven Tyler was my cousin through marriage. And I dropped that real quick. I was like, oh, uh, no. Um, oh. But I, yes. Well, you didn't know. I thought we discussed this before. I have the memory of a goldfish. Oh. Um, <laughs> his cousin was married. Uh, well, you know what? In case they're watching, I won't delve. It was through marriage to a very to uh, my godfather. Um, and they were second cousins. And they're no longer together. Well, they're no longer married. So can I crush on her again? Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, sweet. All right. All right. So give me nice. Um, no, no. I saw I used to watch it incessantly when it first hit cable. Mm-hmm. And then I. I haven't gone back to it, and I'm trying to think why it got this big. Like it became like it became like Rocky Horror. Yeah. So I, I have to revisit it because even Preston Steven and WMMR, now I must. Well, I've been given an order by Danny. I have to watch it now. I highly recommend, if you can, get a hold of watching the um, extended edition. Okay? I've always... Listen, because I always watch the extended editions. There are additional scenes that, for the love of God, should have been in the movie there are scenes that um redeem the character of rex manning and i felt they should have still been included in the movie um a little bit more depth on certain characters even though i still feel there should have been more depth which fingers crossed maybe we'll get like some super duper ultra thing eventually i don't know maybe for 30 year thing 50 year i don't care but yeah empire records has become your role on the 50 years yeah, Empire Records has become its own fucking phenomenon. Um, and it, it's it's so cool to see how big of a thing it has become. Because that movie is just... 
it's it was like my nineties dream, you know. I oh, love you. Music. And, you and I always so wanted many- to work at a music store. Always, even before that movie, and it's like that's just so quintessential. And the the soundtrack for those of you who would, are interested in the Empire Records soundtrack, I highly recommend just finding it on Spotify as a playlist because the actual soundtrack does not feature all of the songs. And unlike other '90s movies, they did not have several volumes. There is a playlist that features every single song. From that movie on Spotify. I have it liked. Find my profile. There you go. <laughs> I mean, you could skip the Cracker song. <laughs> you don't have to play that one. You keep going. Uh, no, I just I I just remember it hit cable early two thousands, and I watched it incessantly. And I'd have to go back because even even MMR and Marissa from MMR was talking about it. And I'm like, this should be right up my alley. I got to revisit this. I just know that I watched it a bunch of times and then kind of forgot about it. Happy belated Rex Manning Day. Yes, I want to punch Rex Manning in the face. I do remember that. That's why the extended edition of the movie is so much better. Oh, does he get punched in the face? Because it's good. No, he his character just he redeems himself. Like they get into a little bit more depth with it. I don't want a redemption. I want to choke him to death. But the whole movie is a coming of age story. We're redeeming. I don't want that old man getting that grease ball getting redemption. I wanted to shut up. All right, fine. I'll watch the extended. Hope it's in HD. I don't know. Uh, We'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. Okay. Uh, now, now, unfortunately, with on all the happy notes that have gone down so far in this episode and in the world of music, there was a down, a very unfortunate down. Um, I'll be that bitch to say it. Overnight, everybody and their mother became a Taylor Hawkins and Foo Fighters fan because mm. of the very untimely passing of Foo Fighters drummer Taylor, Taylor Hawkins. That was a thing. The unfortunate part is they were on tour and obvi- quite obviously, they canceled everything, but in a beautiful, very beautiful. Um, they were hours before. away from a show. Yeah, I know. Um, in beautiful tribute, that's the story. In beautiful tribute yeah. to him, the night of that show, a bunch of candles were lit on stage, and Foo Fighter songs were played for the audience. And audience the audience actually together. all stayed for it. They came together. They sang along. Beautiful tribute that was uh, made for him that evening. So, yeah, that was uh, the thing. <laughs> I tell you, that... It's one I haven't processed yet. Cause I, and I said on Nerd Herders, because I figured it was kind of worthy of a nerd thing. Mm-hmm. That when... Until Sonic Highways, uh, the Sonic Highways was the one where they went to different studios and wrote a song at each studio. They had that documentary that came out on HBO around the same time. Um, I was a, I was a hit listener. Like I listened to the radio stuff. Yeah, I wasn't a Foo Fighters fan. I, I, I mean, I wasn't. It's kind of like ABBA. I didn't go out of my way, but like I had a few songs on my on my iPod and I would listen to the radio hits, but I wasn't collectively going out trying to get the albums. And in watching this documentary with Kelly, 
she explained to me what a fan Taylor was because I made the comment like while watching it, I made the comment like, man, Taylor is I need to listen to more Foo Fighters. Taylor's amazing. He's a great drummer. I said something like that. Like they were showing him practicing or whatever. And you know how they always go through review of the Foo Fighters yeah. are. And then and I was like, wow, he's really good. And all I also I had I had uh for the Mission Possible 2 soundtrack because I'm so before I was like fanatical about the Foo Fighters. I had their version of the Pink Floyd cover, which I sh- I th- I put on our covers list. Mm-hmm. Mentioned it specif- specifically on the show. Uh, hi, Dad. By the way, um, <laughs> Dad's watching. Uh, see, I told you that's why I be- I'm careful when I say stuff because you never know yeah. when Dad or Mom's gonna. But um, I have their cover of "Have a Cigar" by Pink Floyd that Taylor sung on. Taylor uh-huh. sings the lead on that. I've had that for I've had that's one of my oldest MP3s. So, uh, oh, getting a headache. No, um, <laughs> this is trippy. She's, yeah, that's I'm, crazy. I'm just gonna move this to see how cool. shit gets better. Rock on. So, uh, oh, I love the VHS in the background. Good touch. <laughs> so, um, clamshells, Disney, worth, worth nothing. Uh, people think they're worth hundreds, they're worth nothing. Um, so in this conversation, we're talking about Kelly's like, you gotta listen to this, gotta listen to this. She goes, Oh, yeah, he's a big Phil Collins fan. And I'm like, because that's if anybody says that, I'm like, well, what? what? Sold. You know, <laughs> yeah, so goes to it. That's how she got me into Mastodon. She told the drummer, Brand Daler, because um, they do that song on the Aqua Teen Hunger Force movie, which is about don't don't steal the movie. Don't do this. We'll cut your throat with a little yeah. we'll cut your tongue with. A, yeah, yeah, that's Mastodon. And she told me the same thing. He's a big Phil Collins fan. So now I listen to Mastodon through. You know, she worked me backwards. I'm like, they're great. I got to listen to more of this. We're watching this documentary. And she goes, he's a big Phil Collins fan. Yeah, Philly's won four to two. Great. Uh, not not as much as yesterday, dad, but a, but a good game nonetheless. Uh, for our uh, podcast listeners, my dad's in the Facebook group chatting with me right now. So <laughs> I must answer my father. Hello, dad. Um, so I do a little research on Taylor and he's like fanatical like me about Phil. And not to elaborate on it, that's why, honestly, I got into Taylor Hawkins and by proxy, the Foo Fighters. Mm-hmm. Then I was like, get all their albums, always listen to their new singles, get all the albums when it comes out. They're now one of my bands. It was that backwards work into Phil Collins. And I say this when people are like, oh, why? Who cares how you get into a band as long as you like the music? Because once mm-hmm. that happened, it was separate from Phil. I don't after that. Yeah. It's like, that's just my doorway in. That's how I got into the Beatles was Phil. I already talked about that. He did a cover to our never knows. I saw it on the back of his Beatles CD. I was like, oh, that's that song. Phil Collins does. Let me listen to this. I'm a Beatles fan now. That was crazy. It was revolver. (laughs) I get it. I absolutely get it because I said similar to my mom last week, but in regards to like books, because she's a big horror reader. And I said, you know, in, in getting her to expand her horizons beyond Stephen King, I went, look at other authors books and see if Stephen King has his approval on it. If he has a review of the book on it, you know, it's going to be a good book. And it's similar when it comes to music. Like you need your familiar territory to, you know, I guess, give their. Absolutely. You got to the the familiar, the familiarity. Thank you. Wow. Marble mouth, Dan. (laughs) Get you through the door and then Mm -hmm. 
then you're familiar with that. Then you walk right into the room and you party. Yeah. Uh, Taylor started with Alanis Morissette. I was going to mention that because that's how I I, knew him. I have to mention that because Mm -hmm. I know little about Alanis Morissette other than she's God. And (laughs) she reprised her role as God in Degrassi because of Kevin Smith. Mm-hmm. Everybody who's a Kevin Smith man got the joke. Thank you very much. Oh, she also used to date Dave Coulier, which I'm pretty sure that song's about. You ought to know. Um, exactly. No, but he did. Yeah, he he did the entire drumming session for her uh, first album, Jagged Little Pill. That's how yeah. I knew him because he was in the music videos. And then when Foo Fighters came out, I'm like, oh, that dude. That's the guy from. <laughs> that well, Dave's, well, Dave called him based on that. Nice. Which I didn't know until, unfortunately, he, he died. Uh, mm. I knew about the connection, but I didn't know like that was a specific reason that Dave was like, I got to get this guy. Um, very rarely, it's a cliche now that he's passed, but you know, we always say of Genesis, very rarely does a guy come from behind the kit. You, don't, you have two iconic singers in one band. That doesn't happen a lot. Mm-hmm. It happens sometimes, not a lot. Mm-hmm. which we've talked about in another episode. This, you have two iconic drummers in one band. <laughs> mm-hmm. And one of them just happens to be the lead singer. No, but after that discovery, I find out that he sat on the bed and played to Seconds Out, which is their second live, Genesis second live album, and that he would get people into the band. Like a lot of people I saw talking about him always talked about how he got me into this from Genesis and I forgot the band that he mentioned, but some of that used to open for me. He got us listening to the lamb lies down on Broadway. It's a great album, stuff like that. That's crazy. This guy is a superstar. Mm-hmm. This guy is a mega star and the drummer in one of the biggest bands out of America. And he's still going, yeah, but you got to listen to these guys. That's crazy mm-hmm. to me. I wouldn't have the time to concentrate, but as far as a drummer, which we're going to talk about soon, he does not get talked about enough. No. In death, unfortunately, again, a lot of people were saying, oh, he's one of the greatest drummers. He's amazing. And he never got talked about enough. And unfortunately, he's never going to see the adulation he should have gotten. Now, people who knew knew. Yes. That, so he knew that people felt this way about him. Mm-hmm. But it's nice to see worldwide recognition that would have been nice when he was breathing. Unfortunately, I don't know, and I'm not going to speak on how, but it's pointing to substance use, substance mm-hmm. abuse, which is something he had. He OD'd a heroin in 01, came out of a coma two days later. And anybody who has ever battled addiction, even, even a little bit, knows that that is something. It's an everyday battle. You're fine one day and the next day. You're not so fine. You're not fine. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm hoping beyond hope that you know, it sucks to say it, he's dead. Like what I'm going to say sucks that something else got him. But mm-hmm. do yourselves a favor, especially when if one of those that was all of a sudden a Foo Fighters fan. Uh <laughs> Find music. It was a lot, Foxy. I wasn't going to say anything, but you're right. It was like, oh, yeah, this song, too. Well, shut up. It, look, uh, not to get off track, but it reminded me a lot of when Dolores O'Riordan died from the Cranberries. 
because I was a pretty big Cranberries fan in the 90s. Um, and when she passed, everybody and their mother was, oh, my God, the Cranberries. Oh, my God, I loved her. I love zombie. I love zombie. I love zombie. It's like it irked me to my fucking core. Well, yeah, it's a hit. It's like, of course you like zombie. It's like <laughs> uh, they had other songs. They had other another hit, you know, that the, the, they existed beyond this one song that you love so much. And you were such a fan of the band that you can only literally name one song. So it just irked me. And Taylor Hawkins dying really, really brought all those like, quote unquote, triggering things where it's because it's not a matter of gatekeeping. Anybody can listen to anything they fucking want. You know, I will never keep gatekeep a band or anything. But, you know, to see fucking little Susie down the road on Facebook going crazy about him dying and they're her favorite band and here's my favorite song is oh look it's everlong for the 50 fucking time on my facebook timeline you don't know any other fucking song by that band it just drove me a little crazy <laughs> why don't you tell me how you really feel no i by the way your signal's fantastic now so i don't know what to tell you i just work here um I try to death to me is a joke Uh in the sense that everybody here goes out the same way, no matter how big or how small of a impact you made on society. If you're well liked, well known or well hated, we're all going to die. So in my life, I try to joke about it appropriate timing i'm not gonna what is going on i'm doing things ignore me (laughs) i can't ignore you you're the only person i'm looking at (laughs) you're the you're it right now (laughs) i was trying i was looking back there trying to see what was going on um the uh, i let people grieve however they want and the way I decided to do it was to post music and songs that I really, really liked or songs that highlighted his skill. Because, again, those who knew knew, but I don't think enough people mentioned how good of a drummer he was. And he's a world-class drummer. And it's I wish somebody that talented would have had a little bit of a uh, larger <laughs> reach. Yeah. I know it's weird saying that it's the Foo Fighters, one of the biggest fans that's ever ever existed, but you get what I mean. Yes. But, um, there's going to be a couple songs on the one of my favorite, favorite, favorite songs out there is a song called In Your Honor off the album, Foo Fighters album, In Your Honor. Uh, it was not a hit. But it's got some of my favorite. First of all, Dave rips his vocal cords apart in the song. It's insane. You know the song I'm talking about, right? Mm-hmm. It's real quick, but it's got one of my favorite drumming parts from Taylor of just going down the scale at the end of the bar and starting again. It's just a good drum part. It's a great song. Please listen to that. It'll be on our list. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I just. It sucks so bad. He was 50. It's just not a young guy. So you had to know if it is what I think it is. I mean, you're in the you're in. Look where you were. I mean, sucks. It sucks so bad. Ah, man. Um, 
another drummer we're going to talk uh, you know what i'll talk about that in a second i just yeah uh, like however you're going to grieve don't pretend but it's okay to go oh i've heard of these guys let me listen to it now mm-hmm. that's okay yes it, it, just it, it, saying mm-hmm. just saying yeah let the, let the fans grieve and you know buy some foo fighters records i said records Mm-hmm. What you gonna do about it? Nothing. It was it was his unfortunate passing that made us sit here and well made me go. That's gonna be our next topic. <laughs> Let me just say before she segues that she was like, "We're gonna do this." I was like, "Well, gee, I don't know. What I'm gonna hmm." <laughs> More, I just fact, sh- well, this this. Just, this- Think about it this way. It'll be almost like a little series where we at some point are going to be focusing on other members of bands that we enjoy. Kind of like how we decided to shed some light on some of the uh, albums that are great that people don't know or even soundtracks. You know what? The other band members, bassists, guitarists, etc. We could do that album one again soon. We should. We, yes, there needs to be some more light shed on some of these people before they do unfortunately pass. Like, get yep. to know them now. Listen to some of their shit now. And unfortunately, this one will be drummers. So. Uh, it's it, fortunate. M- m- might I just say, though, in doing this, looking at the ones I wrote down, because I wrote down like five. Uh, this I'll is do five be, then. This is going to be a very uh, strange list when it comes to the Oh, I'm going to... I'm going to yell at you. Okay. Uh, so uh, for those of you who don't know, this is also uh, the point where I tell you for every episode of spot of a manic mixtape that we do, we compile a Spotify playlist, which is a companion piece to the episode in which we feature a song by each thing we talk about, including the news bits. And in this episode, which is going to be some of our favorite drummers that deserve a little bit more play in the music world. There's going to be a variety of genres. Fudge sakes. Oh, yeah. Listen, I'm saving the best for last, but uh, tell me your five first. I got to know. Okay. Are you doing I- your list? I only have to concentrate on mine, right? Yeah. I have everything written down. I got a paper and pen. Okay. So, uh, my favorite drummers. First one is Jay Weinberg of Slipknot. Holy shit. Now, mind you, this is also something that I can talk about. In marching bands in high school, everything was focused around the percussion, what we used to call the pits. We had a drum set, double bass drums. We had the snare drums going. And and the pit would get featured so much that when it came down to me actually listening to regular music, I focused more on drumming and then bass lines beyond the usual guitar, lead guitar, rhythm guitar, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, Jay Weinberg from Slipknot is my number one favorite. Can I I tell you what makes me laugh about Jay Weinberg so much? Sure. Who his father is. Do we not know who his father is? No, I don't. Max Weinberg, the drummer for the E Street Band. Really? Yeah. I never. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Jay Weinberg is son of Max Weinberg, who will give right now, since we're talking about Jay, an honorable mention to one of my favorite drummers, Max Weinberg. He's a world-class drummer. Max Weinberg is more 
it's weird for me to say more famously because anybody who's a music fan knows who the hell Max Weinberg is. But I think more people would know who Max Weinberg is by the fact that he was Conan O'Brien's drummer for years. Yeah, that probably. is Jay. That is Jay Weinberg's dad. So chip yeah. off the, who Jay actually uh, substituted for his father when I think his dad had a uh, minor's heart. Sh- I forgot. I'm not going to say heart surgery because I forgot what he had surgery. So he had to be off the tour. Mm-hmm. So it was Jay. So Jay Weinberg in, his, in the span of a year drummed for Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band and Slipknot. That's crazy and blows my mind. But when you look at it without the masks and stuff, you're like, what a nice little Jewish boy. <laughs> and then he gets the mask on. He's like, <laughs> it's so funny that I, I love that you mentioned Jay Weinberg. And I'm like, uh, when you're telling me you're listening, I'm like, am I going to know who the hell these are? And he, oh, yeah, Jay, I know. <laughs> I know very well. You will. I think there's only one that you probably will be like, huh? but it is what it is. By the way, I just want to show you in rearranging the setup so you could see more. Folks could see more. Mm. The drum kit's right there. Nice. Yeah. I'm in heaven. I'm in heaven. You got Phil right there. You got Phil. Wait, hold on. Get back to me. Cut to me. Cut to me. Got Phil right there in a Vancouver's Canucks jersey. There. One of my favorite posters. Duke. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I used to manage a tag team called the Canucks. The Canucks. I wonder if they were Canadian. No. <laughs> hey, wrestling's fake at all. Oh. <laughs> okay. My second favorite drummer. I really hope to God I don't blow the, his last name because I never have to say his last name. Okay, I'm, Danielle, thank you very much. Max Weinberg did had did have heart surgery. I wasn't I couldn't wasn't sure if I remembered that correctly, mm-hmm. but yes, that's the year Jay took a uh, substitute for him. Sorry. Go ahead, Foxy. Okay. Sorry. No, it's fine. All right. Second favorite drummer. John Dolmayan. I don't know if I said his last name right. System of a Down. Oh, yeah, yes. um, I don't know his name, I, but I know I, I know you don't know about. how to say his last name. But yeah, System of a Down. Every System of a Down song that I listen to, especially if I'm in the car, my fingers are going with the drumming along my steering wheel. Especially toxic, toxicity to. the number one. Well, yeah, yeah. As much as I can keep up while I'm driving, uh, yeah. but yeah, every system song. No, I just, I just meant his uh, skill versus you actually yeah. hitting the the notes he was hitting, which that, is me too. <laughs> that too, but like you know, yeah, you pay attention to search singing and everything, but the the drums in their tracks are so undeniable that you just. Once you know the song by memory, you just got to air drum along with it like you do with I In the know. Air Tonight. And if you don't do that to In know. the Air Tonight, you're wrong. You're a soulless bastard. My mom just did it in the car with me the other day. Um, so I was so it. glad you didn't say my mom didn't do it the other day. And I just said you're a soulless she, bastard. Oh, no, she, that, she always no, she always sits there and goes, is it time yet? Do I do it? Yes. So great. My mom's fine. Very good. All right, my third one uh, is David Silviera, who was the drummer in Corn originally. He unfortunately left the band in 2006, but he was the first drummer that got them their one of their signature sounds along with the uh, bagpipes that Jonathan Davis provides. But yeah, it's always the I little clickety. I love the clickety. 
drumstick sound that they make with it. One of the uh, things that got me into, because I'll tell you right now, it's going to be weird me saying this. Freaking a leash. Mm-hmm. Completely disinterested if that drum wasn't like that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, this, first of all, it sounded great. It sounded great for the time, too, because overproduction, saying anger, um, was uh, rampant in the early 2000s to mid 2000s. And that just sounded that's a good drum sound. Mm-hmm. Uh, honorable mention to um, Godsmack, but I hate that band. So we'll just keep me it. Too. No, me too. I don't know why. But that the song um, Voodoo's got it's not a difficult. It's not overly complicated. It's a great drum part, and the drums sound good. But yeah, Corn. Uh, one of those things was, uh, and I didn't know the drummer's name till today. But um, mm-hmm. well, the other drummer. Um, but yeah, that that drum sound was just was what was that? The mm-hmm. hell is this? I got to hear more. It, and the video is pretty cool too. It was like the drumming on it was more predominantly featured in their um, in the Follow the Leader album which is, I think, their yes. third studio album, if I'm right. Because, like, you know, their first two albums were good. The band was different. It was a different sound. You heard it, especially in songs like Blinds. But Follow the Leader came out, and you had, you know, Got the Life and Freak on a Leash. Like, they were so predominant in it that it changed to, uh, their sound. I'm going to have to play that later. Gonna, uh, there's an app called Moises mm-hmm. that you could strip a track down and remove tracks. You can remove the drums from tracks really easily. So I have a whole ton of drum songs that I drum to now on my drum. And it's good when you have an electronic kit because you just plug that sucker up to the brains right here. You just plug it into the brains and you can have the song audio mixed with the drum audio. So you're the drummer. There's no drum track. There's no echo. There's no reverb. You're the one that's got to be percussion. And I was just thinking about that drumming on the drum while you're talking about it. That uh, I gotta add that one because that's a great percussion part. God damn, freaking at least great. <laughs> uh, my next one is gonna come completely out of left field, and again, my picks is what's gonna make this playlist like what? Mine's not gonna help. <sighs> okay, uh, my fourth is Raymond Herrera. He played the drums from 1989 to 2008 for a little band called Fear Factory. Fear Factory was the first band that I heard to incorporate double bass drum kits and blew my fucking mind. And yeah, what they got going on after oh, it was still good, but Raymond Herrera fucking killed it. Killed it for that band. I got an approval? <laughs> nice. Where'd you get an approval? You I had approval so. for all of them so far. What do you want from me? <laughs> all right. Now. Nice. Sucks. <laughs> kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. All right. My last one. Five. Sheila. It was e. five. Yeah. Sheila oh, E. God, yes. Yeah, Sheila E. Wait a minute. Who did you think I would not know? I don't know. Because if you're going to say Sheila E, I'm going to hit you with one of these. When mostly I see. it was the Fear Factory one because they're not a band that's very much talked about. I, I used to, there's a phase I listened to them and I kind of went backwards to the discography and I didn't grow out of them, but I don't, they play every now and then on my iPod, but I, it's a band I should have more of, if that makes sense. I don't have a no, lot, I mean, but I probably I gotcha. should have more on there. Yeah, I gotcha. So yeah, yeah. Uh, for anyone Sheila that doesn't e. know, 
Yes. Hell yeah. Sheila E. worked with Prince quite a bit during the uh, Purple Rain era. Uh, and he really helped her when it came to the solo career that she had. Her most popular song is my favorite, Glamorous Life. However, um, Love Bazaar was her biggest hit with Prince featured on the track. She went on to do so many other groundbreaking things as a percussionist and working with other musicians. Um, what always, what I always just loved about her was the whole, cause I'm not a very coordinated person. I can't chew gum and walk at the same time. No. So to see her just standing and playing the drums and singing at the same time, that alone had me like, that is one bad bitch. Cause I can't do two things at once a lot. <laughs> nah, especially when it comes to music. Like I've, I tried my hand at playing guitar and singing at the same time i can't fucking do it and just to see someone play the drums like bassist and singing that's a whole nother story but to keep a beat and to change up the beat so much and all that coordination with the hands and the feet and then you're singing is like holy shit you're so cool so silly oh she was great she was no she was she still was is. great um she still kills it well yes true she is and uh she uh, unlike other members of Anna, her life um yeah so it's my five you're five all right before we go anywhere uh joyzy danny i hope you're still around because i wanted to mention her she asked can we pick some and i said of course you can that's why you're here um so uh, honorable, not our honorable mention, but just to mention to uh, Charlie, I can never get his name, Manade from Anthrax. Oh. And he's great. That band is great, but I also I liked it. Can't, I don't know enough of their stuff to even comment. So I'm he's not good. saying anything bad. I just don't, I don't know. Uh, he's a great try. Whenever you're into that kind of metal, you have to have basic components of drumming your your testicles off in a band like that and he does without missing a beat hmm. from what i hear again it's a band that i know to say they have hits but because radio's stupid they don't have hits but they're popular more popular songs i do i i, I like anthrax also liked when anthrax people were like yeah change your names we're getting anthrax attacks after 9-11 he was like no Scotty, no, <laughs> no, we're not changing our name. Thank you, though. Nice try, though. Moving on. <laughs> okay, so honorable mention to Buddy Rich. And I say Buddy Rich because that is a guy I didn't find out about until years later into my teens. It was one of my dad's favorite drummers, but also a lot of the drummers I like was were Buddy Rich fans. If you don't know who Buddy Rich is, Buddy Rich was a drummer from the beginning of time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's since passed away, but he's one of the few drummers that I will still watch in the cold light of day in 2022 and go, How's he doing that? The man's wrist and finger, it's not even his fingers, the man's wrists and arms are so fast. And it always looked like, ironically, he had a heart attack on stage once he finished the song and then left. Yeah. Uh, that's not a lie, that's not folklore. That actually happened. Uh, no, I gotta finish. 
which we're talking about drumming, folks. Um, <laughs> so, as long as I made Foxy laugh, I don't care about the rest of you. Uh, he also makes it look like he's not trying. Oh. And my when people go, well, what should I watch to get into Buddy Rich? I'm like, you don't have to get into Buddy Rich, but do yourself a favor. Watch the clip between him and Animal from the Muppets on the Muppet Show. Do a drum off. That's the easy way to get. Animal's a terrible drummer. <laughs> I'm kidding. Animal's a good drummer. I want to know who drums for Animal because that guy's good. <laughs> right. Okay, my list. Yes. And the only reason why I'm putting him on the bottom is because I'm a fan of the band, but not like the other bands I'm a huge, bigger fan of. So that determines ranking. I know you're all going to be surprised at number one. Real shocking, I'm telling you. Uh, number five is Neil Peart. Now, he might be the best drummer on the list, but he's, my, he's not my favorite. He's my fifth favorite. <laughs> Uh, actual drumming for Animal was performed by Ronnie Varell, a veteran drummer and member of Jack Parnell's house band from The Muppet Show. Very nice. Very good. Animal's got my favorite commercial right now. Did you see that Geico commercial with him in it? Where he's upstairs and he just goes yeah. sliding down the banister at the end. That's one of my favorite commercials. It's one of those commercials. In the attic. <laughs> yeah. We have an animal in the attic. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, shit. But Neil Peart, what can I say about the late, great Neil Peart? He's one of the best drummers that ever lived. And one of the things that, because I was never a huge fan of Rush, but I have like 20 or 25 songs of theirs on my iPod. I say, well, that seems like a lot. Well, they also have 50 albums, so settle down. Um, Where I gained more respect for Neil, other than the fact that he's Neil Peart, was on that documentary, um, What's the name of the documentary? It's a line from Limelight. Living on the Lighted Stage. Amazing documentary about the band. But at some point in his career, he relearned to drum traditional instead of non-traditional. This is not traditional way to hold your stick. That is. Mm-hmm. He retaught himself how to play like that instead of this. Like in the year early 2000s. And that blew my mind as a novice drummer that I am. I've been drumming since I was six. I watched that, and there's footage of him relearning. I'm going, I no, no, no. Now, my drum lessons, you learn how to drum like that first. Then you're allowed to do that once you figure that out. The guy who taught me, but he, re, he retaught himself. This is a guy who had gold records. Mm-hmm. And by the way, he's also the lyricist of the band. He was like, well, I want to relearn. Uh, I felt like I was slipping. What? What? You get out of here. That's crazy to me. That's just crazy to me. So that mad respect for for Neil Peart because of that, but also because he's Neil Peart. Uh, Number four, Roger Taylor. Roger Taylor of Queen. Also because when he dresses, when he cross dresses, he's hot. Very hot. (laughs) But uh, Actually, um, Dean, the guru of HIC Talk Radio, uh, they live streamed their entire live in Rio show in 2018, 19. Um, 
and we're watching it together, you know, different at our respective homes. And he texts me, he goes, as a drummer, where do you put Roger Taylor? And I say, I put him higher than most people put him because I think he's amazing. I don't think Roger Taylor gets enough credit. Roger Taylor, that's the thing about Queen is everybody wrote singles. Everybody wrote a hit or multiple hits, and so did Roger. So on a lyricist's end, he's amazing, like all four of the guys in that band. Oh, also, he's an incredible drummer. He was buddy with uh, Taylor Hawkins. His son and him and Taylor Hawkins were good buddies. That's his idol. Roger Taylor's son, Taylor Hawkins, was that guy's idol. Um, but Roger Taylor does not get talked about enough these days. He does a very interesting thing on 95% of the songs where when he hits the snare, he opens up the hi-hat. So it sounds harder, but he's not playing harder at all. There's just that extra underneath the snare at the same time they blend in. So if you notice now, and you'll not hear it now, sorry, I've ruined it. Next time you listen to a Queen song, you hear that Every time he hits the snare, he opens mm-hmm. it just slightly. He lifts that foot and opens the, ha- the hi-hat, and you'll hear a little bit of a harder sn- a hit. That always interests me, because being able to do that, I'm like, that's right. Not only that, Not Queen, a- like, their songs all varied so much in style. Yes, so to, very like, much. You know, so to consistently play in different, like, different ways, as opposed to having a... S- tight-knit signature sound this is how it is is just in itself an amazing they went, my favorite thing about queen is they went from there were even writing in their liner notes there was no synthesizers used on this band and used on this album to about four years later throwing a ton of electronics in <laughs> what's the song um another one bites the dust mm-hmm. uh deacon asked him deacon wrote that another one bites the dust is john deacon the bass player and he had him I think put a piece of tape over the snare to close the sound and he hated doing it. But of course he was right. And Roger like, well, of course he was right. It sounds great on the song. So it had that instead of that pop pop, that loud sound that he liked. So it's like, that's he hated it. He hated doing it, but he's like, well, Roger Taylor doesn't get enough credit. Talk about Roger. This guy, now I'm going to name a guy that nobody on this podcast has ever heard of. Other than through me. And this is kind of like, it's not an honorable mention. I'll explain why. It's Andy Sturmer from the band Jellyfish. Okay. Andy Sturmer is the main lyricist and lead singer of Jellyfish. He's also the drummer. And he does it standing up the entire show. How? (laughs) (laughs) I will say it again, and I'll say it every time you mention the band Jellyfish. Their album Spilt Milk. Everyone should listen to at least. And I just realized I put them after Queen. It sounds like a mixture of Queen and. Bee Gees and the Beatles and the Rolling Stones wrapped into one band. It's insane. Spilt Milk, I beg of anybody to listen to, please, from start to finish. It's amazing. But when they were performing live, dude, stand up at a five-piece drum kit, play the drums and lead sing. 
and not miss a beat. And I can't sing lyrics to drum at the same time because I'm concentrating on the beat. And that cuts to our number one scene. Andy Sturmer, Jellyfish, Honorable Mention, listen to the album Spilt Milk. Do it. Number two. The number two and number one, if anybody listens to this song, everybody's going to know this. Who number two is? Jimmy Chamberlain, the Smashing Pumpkins. Jimmy Chamberlain, again, is a drummer that does not get talked about enough. Agreed. Jimmy Chamberlain, in my opinion, in my personal opinion, is probably the best living drummer today. He's incredible. He comes from a jazz background and he incorporates that into what would you call the pumpkins? They're hard. They're not like metal, but uh, alternative in a sense. He's he's incredible. The stuff he can do on a drum kit, 99% of the people who listen or are drummers, me included, couldn't even do. Not happening. Um, I went to see the reunion show in 2018 and just stared at him doing his thing the whole time. I was like, yeah, the Smashing Pumpkin. Huh. Never doesn't get talked about enough. Go back to any of their singles. Bullet with Butterfly Wings. Incredible. The Everlasting Gaze, a song that not a lot of people know because mm. it was a single kind of on the back end of the original run. Incredible drumming. Thankfully, that one's on YouTube with just drums alone. Uh, a song that you and I have mentioned a hundred times, Stand Inside Your Love. Great drum track. Great drum track. Porcelina of the Vast Oceans. Amazing drum track. Atmospheric. At the same time, it goes all over the place in a good way. Listen to Jimmy Chamberlain drum. The next time you hear the Smashing Pumpkins, don't pick 1979. I'm going to smack you. There's no drumming in that. It's electronic. Well, actually, he drums along to it, but it's just one, two, three, four. Listen to Jimmy Chamberlain drumming. And the number one's Phil Collins. Good night. No, it's Phil Collins. I, oh, know, obviously. I, yeah. I, come on. He's my favorite. Uh, I know. He also doesn't get talked about enough as a drummer. He doesn't. Uh, I go no, back I, to I, Taylor. I, I, I can agree to, on that. I go back to Taylor Hawkins talk about him. Like Whenever he would talk about his influences, he would specifically single out Phil and tell people if anybody ever asked him his inspirations, if they wanted to become a drummer, he would tell them, listen to this person, this person, and listen to Phil Collins. The dude is a master. I used to argue about Phil all the time, about how good he was, and now I just point to Taylor Hawkins quotes for the last 10 years ago. Well, listen to this world-class drummer talk about how good he was. Phil, in the early days, I mean, Phil admits he would play as much as he could in the early days of Genesis, just because he wanted to prove how good he was, <laughs> which is funny to me. But God, I can't, I can't even. It's gonna be hard to pick one, like one or two songs for this because as soon as I go, well, this is a great drum exp- drum example, and I'm like, well, this one too. Shit, I don't know. Um, I think he gets he doesn't get enough because uh, you know people remember Poppy Genesis and Phil Collins, you know, solo. Nobody knows about the drumming. I know, like I said, Dustin. Uh, uh, I'll get to that in a second, Danny. Um, I played Dustin a song years ago when we both worked at Comcast. 
early, from nine, for the first album he was on, uh, Nursery Crime, which will go on our list of albums you should listen to. Um, and played him the song Musical Box, which starts off very glam rock, artsy fartsy. And then all of a sudden it's like, is this metal? What's going on here? <laughs> Why am I bobbing my head to that? <laughs> And he's incredible. Phil is an incredible drummer, and shame on you for not putting him on top of your list. Uh, why didn't we mention? Danny said why. I'm surprised neither of you mentioned Rick Allen from Get Out of My Head. That's I was okay. going to put that as an honorable mention. Even an honorable mention, considering he doesn't have two arms. Exactly. I was going to later on mention him as an honorable mention. Yeah, yeah he's because he's, he's good, not, but he wasn't a favorite. He's good. He's not a favorite. And, and this could sound like I'm shit. This is why I hate these kind of lists because it sounds like I'm going to shit on him. He's a great drummer. Right? He, he's a great drummer. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> like I said, I had him written down here as an honorable mention after the fact because, again, that's where we reiterate these are just our personal favorites that we feel other people should. Give a listen to. Are you sorry? Don't be sorry. <laughs> in the meantime, Danny, get out of my head. Yeah, she's like, oh, that's why. In like Probably my said, sorry, my front lobal, the lobal. That's not the word. Grey's Anatomy is failing me. What's the frontal lobe? Of well, I would be using a TV show for Grey's Anatomy. Made me a doctor. All right. Oh, it did. Grey's Anatomy. I never forgive them for killing Jenny Duquette, and I'll never go back. Kiss my ass, Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> Give me a shot of Epi. See, look at that. I'm a doctor. See? Do me a favor. Make sure I'm not with you if I have a medical emergency. <laughs> at least I won't house it. You know, take a week to... I'd rather you house it. <laughs> I would rather you insult me as I'm breathing heavily, you know, maybe if you laid off the cheeseburgers, sir, you wouldn't be having a heart attack right now. Somebody get it. Uh, lupus. It's never lupus. Except it was lupus in one case. And I don't know what we're, what's going on. You're talking about house or Grey's Anatomy now? House. That was that was and, and house that was a joke it was never lupus it was never lupus except never lupus. one episode where it was lupus and house was like well i'll be damned it's lupus. Well, somebody finally hit him with a cane, his cane or something anybody ever stand up to him uh no that's bullshit no. hugh Laurie is a God. amazing i i like yeah no i like you Laurie. um I always love venturing the fact that he's in 101 Dalmatians, the live action one. Because, I know, right? Because people don't understand that before House, he was one of the comedic geniuses of in Britain. Yeah. He almost single-handedly stole the sh uh, Black Adder episodes from Rowan Atkinson, Mr. Bean, folks, every time. That's how funny he was. Him and Fry used to have a show together. Steve Fry and Laurie, that's Stephen Fry. And then, he, and then all of a sudden, people just know House, which is fine. I'm not, but I'm saying, no, you guys don't understand who Hugh Laurie is. Not you two. I'm talking about other people. I just have a thing for super sarcastic old men. 
One of the things that always cracked me up about about that is um good that just reminded me of the final thing I wanted to mention. Um I'll mention that in a second. Mm-hmm. That shows his comedic it shows his comedic timing in 101 Dalmatians is that one's closer, I guess, to the source material because they have that other character Skinner mm-hmm. in it who has that her You've seen the live action version with Jeff Dent, right? Yeah. Okay. Glenn Close, the greatest Cruella DeVille that ever. Oh, I love that movie. I thought it was really good. Oh, shut up. Anyway, um, (laughs) it's a scene where him and he's Horace and the other guy's Jasper, Horace and Jasper. uh, The two guys that are going to kill the dogs for uh, Cruella fuckface and skin them. Well, they're going to bring him to Skinner and they walk up to his door for the first time before they do the job. And <laughs> you, Lorius Jasper, just goes, just remember, he has a horrendous scar across his neck. Don't stare at it. Don't mention it. Just l- just let it go. He can't talk very loud. So just listen to. It. And of course, Skinner opens the door. <laughs> Horace just goes, oh, my God, look at that scar. No bloody wonder you can't talk, mate. And it just cuts to you, Lorius. Excuse me a minute, wouldn't you please? And he shuts the door. You just hear him punch the guy in the face. It's just he's just got great comedic timing because, of course, you find out later. Oh, yeah, he's a comedic genius. More music news. I wanted to end my segment. I guess my this is what I'm adding to the show. Hey, guys, Pink Floyd's back together. Yeah. (laughs) Well. I have like a happy version of this, and then I'm going to rant for a second. Okay. So Pink Floyd got back together. It's Nick Dave, uh, Nick Dave, uh, Guy Pratt, who's been with the band since '87. I forget the keyboardist's name, but he he has not been with the band, but different keyboards because you know, Rick Wright died in 07, 08. I, I I forgot what year he died. Um, they released the song. I'm bringing up the name of it because it's Ukrainian. Um, it's in support of Ukrainian refugee fundraising. Uh, for those living under Iraq, Russia invaded the Ukraine and are continuing to bomb innocent civilians. And, you know, the old war criminal thing, that old chestnut happening right now. Well, Pink Floyd got together. Um, there is the lead singer from the Ukrainian band Boombox. Uh, his name is Andre. Kilvenyuk, trying his last name. I think that's close. Um, who's Ukrainian, went to go fight for his country. And I think he announced that he was leaving to go fight for his country. And the very next day, he sung a Ukrainian protest song that was written in World War One during World War One on his Instagram. Pink Floyd took that. Um, they're working in conjunction with Andre mm-hmm. and wrote a song around those lyrics that he sung on, used his actual vocal from that Instagram live performance and wrote a song around it. Wow. Using his vocals only, Dave's signature guitar, Nick Mason drumming, and it's a quick three and a half minute song, and every purchase goes towards this Ukrainian relief fund. It's a beautiful song. If you have a soul and you listen to this and you put yourself in one of the shoes of 
anybody who's living over there right now, there by the grace of God, go ye. Uh, it'll make you tear up a little bit. Beautiful song if you're a Pink Floyd fan. Which brings me to my second rant. My my rant. Go listen to it. Folks, it's 2022. Roger Waters is not rejoining this fucking band. <laughs> I hate to do this right now, being that this is for a good thing, but you all started it. MMR, WMMR, the, I bet you the radio show all the time, posted a link of the song. Straightforward. Hey, Pink Floyd re-released the song. I mean, released the song, their first new material in 28 years uh, for the Ukrainian relief. Go listen to it. All the money goes towards blah, blah, blah. All of the comments, all of them, are about how, well, it's not Pink Floyd without Roger. It's not Pink Five. It's have, 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 have. Guys, this is about real shit going on. This is why we can't have nice things. This is why we can't have nice things because you and people are like, well, you're not a real Pink Floyd fan. Brother, I've had Roger Waters tickets for over two years waiting for that guy to reschedule for a little thing that happened in two years ago that's still happening today called coronavirus. Assholes. Don't call. Everybody always goes after the fandom not knowing. Like when I like you like ghost girls, Ghostbusters, you're not a real fan. No, no, no. I hate those movies. Please. You're not a real Pink Floyd fan, man. I've had tickets for I've seen both of these guys live. They're both Pink Floyd. Pink Floyd would not exist today as it is without either one of these men. Roger Waters is a genius. Yes, absolutely. David Gilmore's a genius, musical genius. Yes, absolutely. Do them together made magic with Nick and Rick. No pun intended on the rhyme. They're never getting these guys argued over balls on an inflatable pig. It ain't happening. They got together. Bob Geldof was the only guy that got that band back together for Live 8. They played for half an hour and they're done again. Now, the other living members of the bands got together, did this song for a great, in my opinion, and it should be, unless you're a terrible person, a great fundraiser and a great reason to get money in the right people's hands for going through some terrible shit. And you're arguing over who's in Pink Floyd still. Guess who owns the name? I could put the band back together. Dave Gilmore. Guess who doesn't want to be part of it anymore? Roger Waters. My God, pick a different time to argue. Please. Just, you know, Listen. just generally, I fucking hate quote unquote fans that are like that. Because in the grand scheme of things, real fans would just, you know, like it regardless. Kind of like, just, I don't, like, I, I, I always hearken this to something that I had seen. Um, Rob Halford mentioned it once uh he was doing some kind of interview and some an audience member mentioned turbo lover to him and the crowd started booing and he's like hey he can like whatever the fuck he wants he's our fan and it's like fucking thank you i for example i love that song turbo lover a majority of judas priest quote unquote fans hate it but if you're a fan of something they can really do no wrong 
as far as how they choose to entertain you. Because if you're a fan, you're going to like it. Or you're going to be like, well, this one's okay. Or, well, no, this one's not for me, but I still like it. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I hate, hate people like that. It's gatekeeping. It's a form of gatekeeping. It is yes. absolutely gate. Why can't the other other part of it that didn't annoy me so much was well, actually, they had an album that came out in 2014. Why are you saying 28 years? Yes, in 2014, those songs were written and recorded in 1994. Yes, it was like a re-release. It's, a... it's not really. Yeah, no, it's basically they or... pulled the material. It was done after Rick died. Mm-hmm. And it was the last time Rick, Nick, and Dave were in the studio together. And it was material they didn't put on 1994's Division Bell that they thought they could do stuff with. They added some overdubs here and there and recorded vocals for one of the songs. But it's literally incidental music that they finished without Rick and one song they wrote lyrics for so they could put out a single from mm-hmm. 1994, folks. That's the other thing. They were just gatekeeping all over the balls on you that they're trying to do something good while most of you're sitting arguing over if Russia's really removing the Nazis or if Russia's just being a di- arguing all online about what's going on. At least the rich people decided to do something about it. Jesus well, Christ. Oh, my it's God. Just it was a no- can't have nice things. No, my God, just enjoy it. A band. Genesis did an album without Phil after Phil left. The two founding members were still in the band. Guess what the band was still called? Genesis. It's not Genesis to me. It is Genesis, no matter how you can't sleep at night because the name Genesis is on it. Cry yourself to sleep. It's called Genesis. Sorry, pal. Mm-hmm. And it's a great album. So shut up. Mm-hmm. It's, it's kind of it's like what I said earlier, yet not. You know, the Static X. The band is still going. Because Static X is a band. Will I personally see them without the lead singer now that he's passed on? No. But. No, but other people can go watch that show and pay and watch the show and enjoy it. It's got nothing to do with you. Exactly. I will never sit there and say, oh, it's not Static X. Or like, for fuck's sake, the, 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 the lead singer Kill Switch Engage has a new band. Bad Wolves Kick, you know, they have a new fucking lead singer too. They're still the band. Will certain people not listen to them without that? Sure, fine, maybe. But you can't sit there and go, oh, well, that's not Kill Switch. No, technically, it's still Kill Switch. Technically, it's still Bad Wolves. They just got a new lead singer. You can replace guitarists and drummers all the fucking time without anybody fucking pitching a fit, you know? But Journey's still doing this thing. The band, yes, has had 50 different iterations of that band and people to this day after 50 different. Hell, even the classic albums that sold a bunch didn't even have the original members in the band. And people into that. Well, it's not. Yes, without. Dude, there's like you're on level eight of yes. You be whoever the hell they want it to be. You don't have to go, but don't dictate it. Now, I could also ignore those people. And not let it affect my day, but god damn it, that chat my ass. It see something like a statement like that can only truly like mean anything depending on who the band is. Like, um it's a good example. Right. When Axel when Axel was doing ACDC's lead singer duties, yeah, no, that's not ACDC, sorry. You know, like that's different. 
you know, or when Adam Lambert tried to front Queen for a little bit. It's just two totally Wait. different things. Hold on. He still yeah. fronts Queen, and it's a great Does band. Yeah. Yes. That's the show, Live in Rio in 2018, I was telling you about. Mm-hmm. Adam Lambert is like the only guy who could have pulled that off without trying to be Freddie. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a great band. Uh, and I'll disagree. I don't like Axl Rose. If chuck him into the nearest ocean and let him, I don't care. But it was everybody in ACDC plus Axl Rose. It was ACDC. That's it. Uh, don't you start. No, I was just going to mention Queensryche, how there's Queensryche, and then there's Jeff Tate's Queensryche. Mm-hmm. Right? Is that how it goes? I think so. I think there's two versions of it now. I think so. I'll start all I want. It's my show, Danny. <laughs> <laughs> Mine. Name on the marquee, Dan Law. And Foxy. And Foxy. Very little font at the bottom. No, I always put everybody else above me. I hope I hope people notice that. I'm kidding. No, no, no. And another thing. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, just let people enjoy a goddamn song. Nobody uh-huh. J- Joe Smith and uh, Holyoke, Massachusetts doesn't care what Bill Freppel cares, says exactly. about the band from Fresno, California. Shut up. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Exactly. And even I'm so, off my soapbox. And it was so at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Just let people like nope. what they like. And like I said, I mean oh. I have a I have an opinion. You have an opinion. That ain't gonna stop anybody from anything. You can love or hate ACDC with Axel. You can love or hate Journey with and without Steve Perry. Who cares? Jeff Tate can perform all the old albums, but Creenswike without Jeff Tate can't. Is that a legal thing? That'll... My brain hurts. I'm moving on. (laughs) I get it, but is that legal? Like is that elite? Like like yeah, that's legal because it's a legal thing. Yeah, no, but that's what I, that's was, what like, I was asking. That was legal yeah, thing. no, that was the legal thing that they came up with. Because um, remember, like he was in the band, and then shortly after, I talk about the infamous MMR thing, where he was kind of a dick. <laughs> like it was like within the year after that, where they were just touring. All of a sudden, he left the band, or he was thrown out of the band, and then this whole riff started and then they had to handle it legally and that's what they did they ended up kind of separating there's you can sing all the old stuff you guys do your own thing see ya <laughs> hmm. yeah anyway interesting just let people enjoy stuff yes and on that note that is the show we got nothing else dear no I don't <laughs> I'm trying to think if I missed anything, but I'm good. I, I think I got everything. I think yeah, so. We did. We got it all. All right. That being said, if you would like to follow us on our social media handles for Manic Mixtape information, Spotify playlists, Wiener Dogs, My Cats, <laughs> you can follow me at Viva Foxy Foxy. That's V I V A F O X Y F O X X Y on all social media platforms, Twitter. Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, whatever. It's all there. You can follow him. Similarly. I'm going to play with that way too much now. Yeah. 
Uh, follow me on Twitter, all social media platforms at DanLaw83. The HIC Talk Radio Network, this episode of Manic Mixtape, all the other episodes of Manic Mixtape, and all the other shows on the network. Go to your smartphone, open your podcast app, type in HIC Talk Radio Network, and then subscribe and follow and all that good stuff. And listen to the shows, please. Thank you. Absolutely. Be on the lookout on our social medias for the link to the Spotify companion playlist to this episode, as well as every single other episode we have. We invite you to listen to a plethora of our music, which varies from Genesis to Slipknot. <laughs> and Sheila wow. E to Fear Factory and everything in between, quite literally. But not Pink Floyd, because screw you! <laughs> that. All right. Thank you for joining us. Bye. Thank you.